You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast for TheBarkBoard.com. Your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State recruiting news. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. My name is Lucio, your host slash producer of the show. And uh, with me, as always, is Mr. Josh Webb. Hey, everybody. It was a, uh, it was a good good weekend, right, Lucio? We had uh, good times for us heading out to a couple of camps. Uh, actually, yeah. I feel like we've put ourselves through a gauntlet of, uh, of a number of items that we've been taking care of. And these two camps, uh, we, we really got a lot of good information, um, lots of good footage, lots of good interviews. And both Josh and I are going to be processing that throughout the next couple of weeks to make sure it gets up uh, on the barkboard.com. But we'll save that for another time. Josh, I know we have a special guest in studio today. Um, so do you want to go ahead and introduce who we'll be talking to today? Yeah. Welcome, Andrew Martin, uh, to the show. Uh, everybody knows him as the host of the Bulldog Insider, but what we're going to be talking about today is the Diamond Dog edition. And while he covers that on his show, uh, Andrew, uh, you don't get the chance to talk about it much with us here on the Bark Board, do you? Uh, not as much as I uh, would like to. You guys are incredibly knowledgeable. I thank you for having me on and fire away. I'm happy to uh, provide whatever insight I have for you. And as always, we are excited to have you on the show. Uh, I find that it makes for good listening. I find that it uh, the guests get the questions they want answered. And we've been getting bombarded with requests for a knowledgeable baseball expert to come on the show. And I sit here thinking... There's really nobody better than a man from New York. Uh, I know we've had many conversations about baseball on our spare time, you being a Yankees fan, me being a Sox guy. Uh, but uh, when it comes to sports, I don't think there's anybody out there who's as much of a jack-of-all-trades as you are, and that includes myself. I, I don't think I have your level of understanding across all fronts, sir. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Let me just clarify. I'm actually from New Jersey, not New York. I grew up 50 miles outside of New York City, and both my parents are from New York. So I'm technically from New Jersey, although I have been around New York City enough to, to know my way around uh, that city for sure. Uh, but I would say, you know, as the host of the Bulldog Insider, having lived and worked in Fresno, California since 2008, I try to keep my ear to the ground uh, on all things Fresno State, so I do consider myself fairly knowledgeable in all the sports, not just uh, football and basketball. And, and most certainly you are. Uh, but uh, I, I want to start off uh, really quickly by getting your thoughts on some dogs who left us uh, this past draft, uh, and then we'll sort of jump into the expectations for what you think the dogs can accomplish moving forward. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of those guys who have been at the program and are now elsewhere. When, when you look around the scope uh, of the minor league system, uh, do you see anybody right now that's standing out uh, and could break into the pros? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron Judge is that guy. He was a first-round pick in 2013. Uh, he started uh, his career in A-ball like most guys do, but he was injured, so he didn't actually get a chance to start his pro career right away in 2013. But uh, this week alone, as a matter of fact, uh, 
you know, I'm not sure when this is going to be uh, posted, but today uh, Judge was actually invited to the Futures game at uh, Major League Baseball's All-Star break. He got promoted last week on Sunday to AAA. He's going to be the next guy uh, to be from Fresno State to the majors. Danny Nuno right now is kind of that in-between guy. The Mets have, I believe, three years of options on him, so he made his Major League debut this year, but he's bounced between the Mets and AAA Las Vegas a couple of times. But the next guy to get a regular stint is going to be Aaron Judge. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Danny Nuno. Uh, Danny Muno's kind of been he, he b- bouncing up and down this season. Uh, what's your long-term projection for Muno and the Mets? Uh, it was to get another New York area team there. Right. Uh, well, when he was at Fresno State, he was that scrappy guy who would fight tooth and nail to get on base and every at bat. He's Fresno State's all-time walks leader, which I believe he set uh, after his junior season. He was the starting shortstop on that team in 2008 that won the national championship. And as a matter of fact, today happens to be the anniversary of that. June 25, 2008 was when the Bulldogs won the national championship. Nuno is a guy who is going to work very hard. He is adaptable because he can play the outfield. He can play uh, second, third, you know, or short. And we've seen him do that uh, not only at Fresno State, but also in the Mets minor league system. I think it'll be tough for him to stick long-term as an everyday player just because he doesn't really have the power and he is kind of a small guy. But as a utility player, as somebody who can get you and at bat off the bench, somebody who can be a pinch runner late in games, I think if he's willing to do that, he could certainly make a career of it. But for right now, he's going to have to get the reps in AAA, which is why he's bouncing back and forth. Well, speaking of a guy who's made a career of it, I feel like you probably have talked about this gentleman many, many times over the course of your career, but I can't, before we get into the meat of the podcast, I feel like I can't kick off any podcast without mentioning the great Doug Fister. With the Nationals obviously gaining Max Scherzer, bolstering that pitching roster, how do you see now at least the project that they're building, they're playing out. I mean, is this the year that the Nats are finally able to get over some of those humps and put it all together with the pitching staff and players that they've been drafting and accumulating? Well, you'd like to think so, uh, but they've had injuries in their pitching rotation, and right now the only surefire number one ace that they have is Max Scherzer, who, of course, came one out away from a perfect game or I'm sorry, one batter away from a perfect game, I should say, and depending on whether you believe uh, that certain Pittsburgh Pirates player leaned in and got beamed on the elbow or shouldn't have been called, you know, he's had a couple of incredible outings. Yeah, he's had a couple of incredible outings back-to-back. He right now is the ace of that staff. Strasburg has been injured. Fister himself was on the DL earlier. Um, But Doug Fister is a guy who's going to give you consistency. I mean, he's got an awkward delivery, which makes it difficult for hitters to pick up, um, you know, the, the pitch as soon as it leaves his hand. You know, when he was with um, when he was with Detroit, he had experience in the postseason. And he's been with a couple of teams. I mean, he came up in the Mariner system, but he's a guy who can give you innings. He's a guy who can keep the ERA down, and he's a guy who's going to put the ball in play. He's not a finesse pitcher. He's more of a Here's what I've got. You know, I'll try to put some movement on it, but if you can hit it, take my best shot. And he's a really nice guy as well. I've interviewed him several times. Uh, he was he was actually in Fresno for the uh, Fresno State alumni baseball game, which of course he didn't play in because anybody who's on a major league you know contract is 
you know, quote unquote prohibited from doing things where they could get injured in the off season. But he's a really nice guy. He loves being in, you know, in DC and the Nationals are gonna contend for a pennant every single year. I'm just not sure if this is gonna be the year that they get it because they've had injuries to their rotation. But, you know, with Bryce Harper uh in the lineup, I guess uh, you know, I guess you've got threats all over the place. But Fister is a good pitcher on a very good team, and I do think they will they will be in contention come August and September. Uh, I just want to take a, a quick two seconds here and get your get your hot take on, on, on Tabata and whether or not that was a, so from from where I was sitting and I, and I was watching. I say, look, okay. First of all, Scherzer came in too far. As a pitcher, you got to know that if you throw that far inside, that's a possibility. Secondly. I see batters do that across the major leagues all the time, every game, and without incident. To me, and this is just a to-me thing, I felt like the onus was more upon the ump to call Tabata for leaning in than anything that Tabata did, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense, and we can sit here and debate that for the rest of this podcast or for all eternity if you want. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. My issue with this is it was too close to make a real call one way or the other. It's not like he jumped on the plate to try and get hit by the pitch, but obviously he didn't try to get uh, you know, out of the way from it, and his job is to try and get on base, just like you know, we always frown upon those guys who try to get a bunt single if the pitcher's going for a no-hitter. It's, your job is to get on base. Your job is to put yourself in a position so the guys behind you can use you as a table setter to score runs. And if this happened in the third inning, Nobody is, you know, blinking twice about it. It's just, okay, it happened, you move on. But because it happened with two outs in the ninth inning, it becomes a much bigger deal. And in this case, I don't have a problem with the call being made. It's a lot different than that call on the um, Armando Galarraga almost perfect game a couple of years ago when uh, Valley native Jason Donald, who went to Buchanan High School, you know, in Clovis, when he was clearly out, but they called him safe. And that became an infield single that turned out to be the, you know, the nail in the coffin on that potential perfect game for Galarraga. And it's funny because, you know, so many pitchers are getting no hitters these days. It's still an incredible accomplishment, but it is not what a perfect game is. A perfect game is that rarefied air where nothing that you do goes wrong. And even uh, Chris Heston of the Giants, when he got his no-hitter uh, a couple weeks ago, he hit, uh, what, three batters? <laughs> you know, so he put three batters. Didn't walk anybody, but he hit three batters and put them on base. It's just Scherzer got the no-hitter. Uh, you know, great for him. Obviously, you know, he, he had time in the Valley as well because he pitched for Visalia, both when they were the Oaks and then the Rawhide when he was on a rehab assignment. So he got the no-hitter. Would have liked the perfect game, but I don't have a problem with the call the way that it went. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and and I've always said, and I'll wrap it up on this note, I've always said that, that for me, unwritten rules are kind of a weird thing. I've never agreed with the idea of an unwritten rule. My philosophy is, it essentially, what I understand about unwritten rules from my time playing baseball growing up and watching it, is it's like, hey, look, I've left you an obvious on-the-field advantage, and I'm asking you to be polite enough not to take it. Like, no! No! If you leave a gaping hole to the left side because you shifted me, why can't I butt down that side? Like, you're, you should not be doing that. The onus isn't on me to play into your defense. But nonetheless, I digress. I'd have gotten beamed a lot. That's what I know about baseball. I'd have gotten hit a lot by pitchers. Uh... But staying with pitchers, another guy here, uh, Justin Wilson for the Yankees. Um, 
how are you seeing that one play out, Andrew? I mean, another Bulldog alum here, another big-name team. Uh, what's Wilson's future looking like with the Yankees? Well, he struggled uh, for a, a decent stretch there, actually. There were like five or six appearances in a row where he was just not getting it done, and he was either giving up runs or letting runs score that he inherited, and it was a struggle for him. I think he's finally found his groove right now. He loves pitching in New York, and the fact that the Yankees are in first place right now, or I, I guess I should say near first place since they seem to be swapping with the Rays, they are overachieving this season because the Yankees were not supposed to be good. They were supposed to be the cellar dwellers in the American League East. And so, you know, the, the problem with the Yankees for Wilson's case is they have Andrew Miller. So now they have more than one lefty specialist in the bullpen, and Wilson is not the go-to guy because between Miller and Dylan Batances, those are your eight, nine guys. I, I have them swap. Batances is the eighth inning guy, and Miller is the, you know, is, the, is the ninth inning guy. He's the closer when he's healthy. He's hurt right now. Wilson is a guy who can contribute, but um, he's more of a, you know, face a one batter lefty specialist than, hey, you're the guy who's going to pitch the seventh inning or the eighth inning. But I think he's finding his niche. It's his first season in New York, and, you know, we know that he's got a great work ethic, and he'll carry on the tradition of Fresno State guys who have made a living in Major League Baseball. And he, you know, and Tanner Shepherds right now are the two guys who were, or I guess, and Danny, you know, although technically he's not with the Mets, he's certainly on the 40 man roster. Those are the guys right now who are representing the 2008 Fresno State baseball team, the national championship team in Major League Baseball. Though the asterisk is Tanner Shepherds, as you know, Josh, didn't actually pitch in Omaha because he was hurt that year, but he was certainly a member of that team. Absolutely. And, you know, just looking at Wilson's stats from this year, the ERA, 3.16, not really what you want to see from a relief pitcher, even in the AL East. That's generally a starting, an acceptable starting pitcher ERA. Uh, but when you're looking at the whip of 1.1, I, I don't really feel like that's too shabby in, in the AL East these days. He's pitching like a guy who's contributing, but he's not going to be an all-star. You know, yeah. He'll be, you know, out of the bullpen, he'll be like your fifth guy out of the bullpen. So if you have, you know, you carry, what, 12 pitchers, seven in the bullpen, he's like your fourth or fifth guy. He's right there in the middle of the pack. And a couple guys that I want to talk about, or one more guy that I want to talk about who's in the minors, and then I obviously got a, a question for you about an incoming player here, but Steven Sussdorf. Uh, you know, obviously with Lehigh, uh, a Phillies organization, uh, how do you see him panning out? Is that the Phillies, man? Uh, I feel like if there's any major league team that's in great need of a massive overhaul, it's been the Phillies for the better part of, uh, I don't know, this the 2010s. Uh, how does Sustor figure into the Phillies' plans, or does he? Uh, he doesn't. Uh, Sustor uh, has already gotten a cup of coffee, but he's older. Uh, you know, I mean, when he left Fresno State to go pro, he was a senior, and I believe he was 24 years old at the time, might have been 23, give or take a year. Um, but he is not a guy that factors into their plans. Uh, I would be shocked honestly, if he got another opportunity, because he's an older guy in the minor leagues, and usually they are filler guys at this point. But Sussdorf is a genius, and I say that twofold. Number one, he's actually really smart. I mean, he, he got his degree in some type of engineering. I don't know if it was electrical or chemical or mechanical or whatever it was, but he also had a chance to go pro as a junior at a Fresno State in 2007, got drafted in the... Um, 
I want to say the 27th round. It was really late. Um, and he decided, you know what? I'm not going to go pro because I know my chances of making it are not going to be as great getting drafted that low. I'll come back for my senior season and I'll graduate and see what happens. And it turned out to be the smartest move ever because he comes back. His senior season was 2008. The team wins the national championship. He gets his degree in a field where he's going to easily make six figures once he does that full time. And he's married and I believe he's got a kid or a kid on the way. So he's set for life. He's in a situation where... You know, he gave baseball a try. He was able to make it work for a couple of seasons. He did get that cup of coffee, and I'm sure he told the story about the Diamond Dogs numerous times along the way. But um, his future is not in baseball. And I tip my cap to somebody who made a smart decision. And like a lot of guys, and I know we started this conversation with you asking me about the guys who just, you know, got drafted. Mike Batesel was warning against guys like Jake Schull, for example, who got drafted in the 11th round of turning pro. Because when you get drafted that late, you are not going to be fast-tracked to the majors. And if it doesn't work out for you, you don't have a degree to fall back on. Sussdorf was smart enough to realize baseball was not going to be you know, his plan A. And so he was able to make it to the majors briefly. And you know, now he's actually living out his plan A, and baseball's on the back burner. But for a lot of these guys, that's not necessarily the case. With Taylor Ward, he was a first-round guy, got $1.67 million as a signing bonus. He's going to be set for life if he's smart with that money and he continues to progress in the system. But for guys who get drafted beyond round three, it's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to make the majors. Ah, no, it's 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 definitely not. Uh, but before you get to the majors, there's obviously the high school ball. And, and, and Fresno's got a guy coming in by the name of Zach Ashford from Buchanan. Uh, top high school player of the Valley, Fresno B player of the year. What kind of impact do you envisage Buch- uh, uh, Zach having? I don't know why I said Buchanan there. What kind of impact do you envisage Ashford having with the Bulldogs moving forward? And I'm going to use this as a table setter to sort of jump right into the actual team here. So don't think that this is going to get you off the hook in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. Um Fresno State signed eight players in its recruiting class back in November. Uh, one of those guys, James Terrell, um, an outfielder from uh, – gosh, I'm drawing a blank. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, he's not coming to Fresno State because he got drafted in the 11th round by the A's and he signed. So Fresno State will have seven incoming players. Of those seven, three are from right here in the, uh, you know, in the Central Valley area. Ashford is one of them, his Buchanan teammate Ross Dodds, and then Alec Amboa from Madeira. And I do want to point out that Mike Basil has done a phenomenal job since he got here of mining the Central Valley and guys who are in the Fresno, Clovis, Visalia area, even Bakersfield. They get a lot of guys from Bakersfield. Mike Basil has done a great job of finding talent and keeping it in the Valley. And as a matter of fact, a lot of guys that were on that national championship team were from this area. Alan Amati, Jordan Rivera went to Clovis West. You had... Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think. Uh, Clayton Allison, pitcher, you know, went to, uh, he, was, he was from Visalia, I forget which high school he went to. Justin Wilson, of course, we talked about, went to Buchanan. There was a lot of talent that was from right here in the Valley, so Mike Basil does a really good job with that. Now, to try and predict how one specific high school kid is going to do at the college level, it's a huge adjustment, especially when they changed the bats a couple of seasons ago. So now, you know, the, the offensive production has skewed a little bit. But having said that, Coach Batesel does a really good job of incorporating freshmen into the mix. He's not one of those guys that says, unless you, you know, 
unless you were a huge standout guy in high school, you're sitting on the bench for two years. It's no, he'll find a way to to play freshman. I mean, he'll find a way to play guys and whoever can help contribute. And Ashford is one of those guys that, you know, I, I've interviewed him, I've talked to him, I've seen him if you can, and he is a special talent, but it'll be really interesting to see how he fits into the mix because this Fresno State team, as you talked about transitioning, has struggled the last few seasons. This past year, they had a chance to win the Mountain West Baseball Tournament. They were in the driver's seat. They were one of three teams left you know, who had not been eliminated, and they unfortunately didn't get it done. But at least the one thing that they're kind of on the up and up is this season, unlike the previous two, they finished with an above 500 record. And there was a stretch there going back like five years where Mike Batesel used to be able to say, and he was famous for saying it, that every single player has a ring for every year he's been in the program because they won seven conference championships in a row when they were back uh, in the WAC. And that's kind of unheard of. You know, that was a team that was making the NCAA tournament every year. Now, granted, they still don't have as much success in the tournament as they would like. Since winning the national championship in 2008, they've won exactly one NCAA game, and that's not exactly the trend that you want to have from a program that was at the top of the world, you know, on this day, you know, seven years ago. But having said that, they do still compete every single year, and I expect Zach Ashford to be part of their plans for the next uh, at least three seasons. And I feel like... A fan question that I received would be wasted asking, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is a really thought-out question, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm pretty sure you just answered it. So the fan question was, one of our listener question was, Fresno State was seemingly on top of the college baseball world in 2008 and after the winning World Series. They had won their third WAC title under Batesel, and they had started racking up great recruiting classes. But since then, it seems to have, have been a steady decline. 2012 was their last NCAA tournament appearance, and they actually finished with losing records in 13 and 14. What's happened with Batesel and can he write the ship? I feel like you answered that question, but if you feel like maybe there's something in there that you didn't touch on and want to get to, go ahead. But I, I kind of feel like you answered that one a little. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I touched upon that a lot. The, the one part, portion where I'll try to you know give my insight is on the the whole what happened. You know, why did this program decline a little bit when usually, you know, you win a national championship and then the next year in 2009, they actually had to scrape and claw just to make it back to the NCAA tournament because they almost didn't win, uh, you know, the the whack. I mean, you know, it was one of those things where they, they needed, I believe, to beat Sacramento State like three out of four games just to get into the WAC tournament, and then they had to work their way through the, you know, through the loser's bracket to win that just to get into the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's a matter of talent because we've seen plenty of guys. I mean, this season you had Taylor Ward. Uh, 2013 you had Aaron Judge. Both were first-round guys. Fresno State usually has, you know, like on average, I want to say four to six players drafted every single year. So we know there's talent here. I just think that, honestly, the rest of the conference – has gotten a little bit better. You know, I mean, this season, Nevada was the clear number one team in the conference for three quarters of the season, and up until they played Fresno State um, in Fresno, and I believe that was still the only team to beat Nevada on a weekend series this season. I mean, Nevada had over 40 wins, but then they had everything set up for them at the Mountain West Tournament. They were the number one seed. They were the host school. They got a first-round bye, and they won the regular season, but they ended up missing the NCAA tournament because they didn't take care of their own business. And so that, I think, was an aberration because Nevada is also a really good team, and I, I don't remember how many players they had drafted, but I'm sure it was uh, you know, probably at least three. 
I just think the conference in general, from San Diego State, New Mexico, um, Fresno State, and Nevada, I think those are four really good, solid teams. And right now, the Bulldogs have just had a string of uh, you know of bad luck. I mean, pitching. This, this past season was something that Mike Batesel really was looking forward to because the previous year, they had a very young team. In 2014, they only had one senior on that team. I, I was joking with Jake Alvarez because he was a senior. When it was senior day, it's, well, why don't they just call it Jake Alvarez Day? Because they had one senior on that team. All their pitchers were young. This past season, they had more senior leadership. They had five seniors on the team, and they actually named captains for the first time uh, ever. You know, they had Garrett Mundell and Manny Argamani, who were the two uh, co-captains of the team. And Mundell was the guy who got drafted as a junior in 2014, but decided to come back for his senior season. So the leadership is there and the talent is there. I just feel like the conference is is better. But Mike Basel's a smart guy. I have no no doubt in my mind that he will make the proper adjustments. And this this team will compete. You know, it may take a couple of years for them to, you know, to get back to the level that they were at of winning a conference championship every single year. But let's face it, the Mountain West is a lot stronger, you know, than the WAC. And the WAC doesn't have football anymore, so we don't even have to go down that road. Uh, but in terms of, of all sports, I mean, it's just a tougher, deeper conference. Even though there aren't as many baseball teams as there are basketball teams or football teams, there are some good baseball teams. And Fresno State is one of them, just right now it's not at the pinnacle. And that sort of begs the question, because this, this is sort of a follow-up to that. Uh, you know, Batesel's obviously a really good recruiter. Some may even say too good. However, it seems like a lot of his top guys opt to sign pro deals, and he ends up having to backfield with second-tier guys. Um, what's your take on that? Um, I think it's really difficult to manage the mind of an 18-year-old, because all these That's players true. here see are dollar signs. And I've talked to the members of the Fresno Grizzlies, for example, you know, who are in AAA. Uh, now, obviously, they're the Astros, but even when they were the Giants, and I would ask them, because there are several guys who would sign right out of high school, and usually the prevailing answer is, well, I wanted to start my pro career right away. And I would follow up with, well, okay, that's great, but what happens if it doesn't work out? Because there are guys who are you know, in their mid to late 20s, early 30s, who are in AAA baseball, and they're never going to make it in the bigs. Because if you're an executive, why would you promote some guy who's, you know, 29 years old if you can, in the Astros' case, bring up Carlos Correa, who's 20, and let him be your shortstop for the next 15 to 18 years if, you know, things work out financially and obviously mentally and he's able to handle the rigors of it. You know, why would you call up a guy who can only help you for like two or three years? And most players don't see you know, their future after baseball. Because even guys like Derek Jeter, for example, who you know are perennial all-stars who make it in Major League Baseball, you're not going to play baseball until you're 70 years old or 65 years old until you then retire and, you know... Unless you're, you're Herschel Walker. Your I mean, well, right. I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> difficult for athletes to give it up because that's all they know. And so if they don't have anything to fall back on, that's why a lot of athletes will try and work their way into the, you know, into the broadcasting side of the business and go as commentators or analysts because they don't really have, as awful as this is going to sound, any other usable skills because all they've done is play sports and talk about sports their entire lives. They don't have college degrees, especially guys who leave after their junior season or, in the case of the NBA, you know, guys who leave college after their freshman season or sophomore season. If you don't have a degree, it's very difficult uh, if you're not a superstar athlete 
to be able to make a living when you're done playing. And that's why, I don't know if you saw the show Ballers, which just debuted last weekend, but that's what that show is about, you know, how guys manage their money and are able to live their lives when sports is done because it's always going to be done at some point, you know, per player. And going back to... um got off on a little bit of a tangent there. Going back to, to the initial point, I just feel like in Coach Basil's case, it's very difficult to deal with the mind of an 18-year-old because you want to be able to tell him, listen, get your college degree because if baseball works out for you, that's terrific. But if it doesn't, you have a backup plan. Otherwise, you don't want to be that guy who's going back to school at 28 years old still trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And so I don't think it's Mike Batesel's fault at all. I just think it's these kids' fault that they see, you know, they see superstars out there and they see a guy like Carlos Correa or right now the whole youth inflection, um, you know, in Major League Baseball between Correa and Chris Bryant and uh, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. You've got guys under the age of 24 who are doing really well. And so every kid thinks, I'm going to be that next guy. But the odds of doing that are like one in a billion. They just don't see that. They see the success. And it's curious to me because I look across the landscape of, of media coverage in sports, and I'm, I'm going to deviate here for a little bit, still stay within our baseball wheelhouse. You look across the media coverage of sports and you see things like the pictures being painted of FIFA, the pictures being painted of the NCAA, so on and so forth. And I'm not here to say that minor league ball systems are any way near as corrupt as that. Uh, they certainly do have their problems, but focusing on the attention that the media has brought to these sort of lifestyles with, with, with think programs like covering undrafted athletes and athletes who've bottomed out, Billy Corbin's not, you know, broke, uh, these types of things and with more and more media outlets speaking about the perils of living on, on basically a, 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 a city to city day to day basis in the minor league system. Is it once again becoming a little bit more popular to just go to college and play baseball? Or is that wishful thinking? And now we're probably seeing more people than ever say, I'm going to forego college and go straight to the minors. Where, where do we sit with that, that sort of dichotomy? You know, I mean, it goes back to the whole mentality of guys thinking that they can be that one in a billion. They see the massive contracts and the endorsements of the elite athletes, and they think, well, I can hit a baseball. I hit 435 when I was in high school. I can pitch. I can play shortstop. And they think they're going to be the next guy. But the problem is, in baseball, the biggest difference between baseball and any other sport is the level of minor leagues and the, you know, the the hierarchy that it takes to actually make it in the bigs. You know, if you leave the NBA after your freshman season, or if you leave, you know, back before they implemented those age restrictions and you wanted to go right from high school to the NBA, like LeBron did, like Kobe Bryant did, you know, et cetera. Well, if you're going to be a high draft pick, you're going to get paid. So, and I believe this, those guys even both got like shoe deals even before they got drafted. So they had tons of money. So even if it didn't work out for them, they would have gotten paid and they would have been financially secure for life with the rest of these players, especially guys. And I'll go back to the example of, um, Jake Schultz, for example, gets drafted in the 11th round. I'm not sure what his bonus was, but it couldn't have been that that much. And he probably is going to go out and buy a, you know, buy a brand new car for for himself, which you know he's certainly deserving of. Uh, you know, treat yourself to something after getting drafted. But the money that he made is not life changing money. And now you're going to have to go to rookie ball. And then if you do well in rookie ball, then you go to A ball. Then you go to high A ball. Then double A. Then triple A. I mean, you're looking at at least you know 
five years in the minor leagues unless he happens to be phenomenal every step of the way, which is incredibly rare. I mean, you barely see guys go from double-A to the majors right now with at least getting a couple of weeks in triple-A. And we saw that with Carlos Correa, too, here in Fresno. I mean, he was, he was um, I want to say he played like 24, 25 games with the Fresno Grizzlies when he was clearly capable of going right to the bigs from double-A. It just doesn't usually happen that way. Chris Bryant, there's an too, emergency. wouldn't you say? Right. Right, absolutely, and so um, it's all about the mentality of these players and how they all think they are going to be the next big thing because if they realize that, hey, you know, baseball is great, it's gotten me this far, they would get their free education, they would enjoy college, and then they would be prepared for everyday life if the fantasy one day would not work out for them. And there's, there's plenty of success stories both ways, but there are also those horror stories like, you know, the, the 30 for 30 documentary broke that you referenced. I mean, there's plenty of athletes who blew all their money because they thought it was always going to be there, and that's just not the case. You know, I mean, even if you are a first-round guy, for example, and we'll use Taylor Ward as an example. You know, the projections had him as a late second, uh, you know, maybe a mid-second round pick. Well, the Angels fell in love with him. They drafted him 26th overall. They gave him a $1.67 million signing bonus. That's terrific. If he's smart with his money, he will be able to use that $1.67 million to take care of himself for the rest of his life, because that's more money than most people will ever make. Having said that, he might think, well, you know, there's a lot more money coming when I get my second contract and when I get my per diem when I get to the majors, but he may never make it in the majors. There are plenty of first-round picks that never actually make it to the majors. So if he's smart, he will listen to the right people and make that money work for him. But at the same time, he's, you know, he left Fresno State after his junior season, so he doesn't have a college degree. He could go back and get one, but let's face it, how many guys actually do that? So it's, um, it's an individual you know, journey that everybody thinks is going to lead to the top of the mountain, but it only does for a rare, you know, select few. I mean, Derek Carr once joked um, last season, he said, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world because I have a job that only 31 other people have. You know, and Derek Jeter used to joke, you know, that when he was growing up, he wanted to be the shortstop of the New York Yankees. Well, it ended up working out for him, but how many people actually get to be the shortstop of the New York Yankees? There's only one, just like there's only 32 NFL quarterbacks. And so if you're one of those guys, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Terrific. You made it that far, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to be able to live out their dream, too. Yeah, and it's certainly something that I think a lot of the different sports are, are addressing. Obviously, there's <clears throat> new legislation forth in the NCAA to discuss how basketball players who want to come out early are, will be dealt with. Uh, I know that there's been some revisitation uh, of eliminating the one-and-done rule, which I think would be better for college basketball. I think the sport has severely suffered with the one-and-done rule. But that's another discussion for another podcast. Uh, what I do want to ask is is about some of the guys going forward and how you feel the Diamond Dogs are going to do this year. Uh, I want to start off with Austin Gaber. Uh, or Gabor, excuse me. What do you see out of a guy like him in terms of his leadership? Uh, I would assume, you know, you look at guys like him, Veers, and then obviously Borst and Thomas are going to be some of the leaders that are returning to this Bulldog team for the 2015-2016 season. What do you think is the, is sort of the, the upward limit for this Diamond Dog team? And, and what are you expecting from some of those guys? I think this year's team is going to do really well. I, I think they're going to surprise some people with how well they're going to be. And I'm even looking more at, at the pitching. Um, I mean, you've got between um, Aruda, you know, in, I, gosh, I, I'm, I, I think 
controversy because Basel changes the lineup so often. I think um, Aruda was playing right field and Gabor was playing um, either center or left, and then they would swap them. But those two guys, uh, you know, were going to be really good in the lineup, good young guys. I think between Thomas and Arias and Jimmy Lambert, they're going to have some really good pitching next year. And, um, you know, Veers is a guy who can drive and runs. He'll be solid as well. I mean, they they have talent on this team, and they have incoming talent like the, like the recruits that we talked about. They're able to replace and replenish every single year. That's something that Fresno State has always been able to do. And so this last season's team, I think, kind of, you know, set the bar for now this year's team, which has experience. And they've got, you know, they lost five seniors off last year's team plus the two juniors who decided to turn pro, but there's still plenty left in the tank. And I expect Gabor uh, to do well. I mean, he did really well in the leadoff spot, uh, you know, there for a while. And we even saw a, um, a resurgence from Taylor Temple, you know, a Clovis guy who the previous season, uh, and granted, I mean, we're talking about a guy who didn't get drafted and who yeah, was a senior, so he's not coming back next season. But in terms of the development of what Fresno State is able to do with these players, Taylor Temple's junior season, he hit below the Mendoza line. And then this past season, he hit like 360, and he was a first-team All-Mountain West player. So um, there are plenty of positives to, uh, you know, to, to, to grasp you know, onto and to use looking forward. I mean, I definitely think – I think it's still a stretch to say Fresno State will win the Mountain West you know, tournament next year. I don't want to go out on a limb and say that. But the Bulldogs will definitely compete for one, and I am going to be impressed you know, at what they're able to accomplish because this past season, while it was inconsistent, they did beat a couple of ranked opponents. They did win in Albuquerque for the first time ever, and they were able to take a series from Nevada, which won 40 games. So we know this team can get it done, and I expect them to get it done next year. What kind of offensive production are you looking for uh, from these guys? I mean, there, there's a lot of these guys are hitting well for great averages or at least acceptable averages, but you're not necessarily seeing the power and the pop that some of the other teams, well, I mean, since the College World Series wrapped up and – I think that when you talk about Fresno State baseball, given the fact that they've won a national title, I think it's fair to put them not necessarily in the perpetual conversations of the Cal State Fullertons and Vanderbilts of the world, but certainly when you say Diamond Dogs, there's no reason that they can't be at that level. So I think if you start with the expectation of this team is capable of winning a national title, which they've shown themselves to be capable of doing, then you understand that there should at least be comparable, or you would hope, you would hope comparable play across all positions. And and I'm not sure that Fresno has the pop of maybe some of these other teams. How do they address that moving forward? Or is that not really something that the Bulldogs need to worry about with their style of play? Not need, not necessarily a pop needed team. No, um, they, they just need to score runs. They, they need to score runs, and you know, as simple as it sounds, they need to give up fewer runs than they score, and then they'll be just fine. I, I think it's very difficult to be in that situation where um, you're trying to compare yourselves to programs that are you know, either on the rise or who have been consistently really good for a long time. And I'll even use the football example. It's like Fresno State has always been able to compete within the WAC or compete within you know, the Mountain West Conference in football, but never really get to that next level. You know, even when Fresno State was putting up, you know, really good seasons, you know, nine-win seasons, like an 11-win season a couple of seasons ago, they still did not get to the level that they wanted to reach. And so I feel like because they don't play in a major conference and they do have to deal with, you know, 
money that isn't coming in. Um, they do have to deal with, uh, you know, re- recruits that would rather play elsewhere. Like you mentioned Vanderbilt, obviously, um, the 2014 national champions, you know, they lost to Virginia, you know, in this year's championship game, but they got a kid on their team, uh, Tyler Ferguson, a pitcher who went to Clovis West. Well, why would he go all the way out to Vanderbilt to play baseball when he wasn't even really a factor, you know, in the postseason this year when theoretically he could have stayed home and played for Fresno State and maybe been their Friday night guy? You know, it's, it's all about the the exposure that you're just unfortunately not going to get when you play in a lesser conference, and the Mountain West is not considered one of the bigger conferences across the board. So that's something that will always be there. I don't think you, you know, you can focus on it because the nice thing in baseball versus football, for example, is if Fresno State is able to win the conference, then they're in the NCAA tournament. You can say that about basketball. You can say that about baseball. You can't say that about football. If they were to go, you know, 12-0 and this upcoming season, there's probably still a decent chance that they would be left out of the college football playoff just because you would find those bureaucrats and those higher-ups that say, well, you don't deserve to be in here. And it's all about politics. I feel like Fresno State should focus on its um, its non-conference schedule, you know, winning games, beating ranked opponents if they can, and then taking care of business in the conference tournament. Because if you win the games on your schedule and you win your conference tournament, then you're in the NCAA tournament and then anything is possible. And I believe this about the women's basketball team at Fresno State, too. You know, they had that stretch um, – which was broken this past season, but they went to seven consecutive NCAA tournaments. They happened to lose seven consecutive NCAA tournament games, but you're still there. And eventually, the law of averages says you're going to win one. You know, eventually you are going to win a game, and then you look at maybe winning a second game, and then you make it out of the first round, and then you make it to the, you know, to, to the second round. Or, you know, I guess you make it out of the, you know, the first grouping, and then you make it to the Sweet 16. It could happen, and if the team is talented enough to get there and talented enough to beat, you know, a USC, back to the baseball example, they were able to beat USC. You know, they played uh, Long, or, um, uh, I'm sorry, UC Santa Barbara, I was going to say Long, Long Beach State, but they played UC Santa Barbara when they were uh, 15th in the country, and they competed in those games. You know, they went to Oregon State, and they competed in those games. I mean, they're not, they're not getting blown out of all these games, you know, 6 nothing, 7 nothing, and, and not even recording any hits. They're close, and I definitely think that Fresno State will be back to where it wants to be within the next, you know, three to four years. And for for your part, do you believe that this is a team, as currently being coached, managed, and, and recruiting, that this is a team that can can consistently reach that next level and stay there? Or, and I'm not saying that that. I'm not trying to start any coaching controversies here at all. That's not that's not what I'm going here. But what I am asking is Batesel's been there. I mean, this is this is obviously something that you know anytime you look at a program with 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 a longtime coach or a coach who's had success, there's gonna be that question of did that person reach the pinnacle? Are they moving toward back to where they need to be? Uh, where do you come down on that? I mean, do you believe that this Bulldog team is set up well for the future? I mean, because some fans are worried, but other fans seem to be saying, hey, you know what? This is just the changing landscape of college sports compared to where other programs are. Fresno State's really not doing that poorly at all. I think fans out there who expect Fresno State to win another national championship uh, probably need to stop thinking that that is the threshold of where you need to rank this team. What Fresno State did in 2008 was phenomenal. Lowest-seeded team in any sport to win a national championship. Everything went right 
for the Bulldogs, uh, you know, that, that year. And, you know, as a matter of fact, George Takata, one of the, one of the stories that he did, uh, when he was in Omaha covering that team was he actually did a story on doing laundry because we all assumed that Fresno State going to Omaha was just a, you're going to lose your first two games and be done. And so nobody packed for longer than like three or four days because nobody expected them to make a two-week run and win the national championship. And so what they did that year was amazing, phenomenal. You can never take it away from them. But I don't think it is realistic to expect that Fresno State will make it to Omaha year after year. Now, they can win the conference tournament. They can make it to a regional, maybe even super regionals. But I don't think, you know, setting the bar at we have to get to Omaha or bust is realistic. This is a Fresno State team that is very good, that can compete with the teams on the West Coast and has competed with the teams on the West Coast. I just don't see, you know, another national championship in the immediate future. Can it happen? Sure. Nobody predicted what would happen in 2008, and that certainly, uh, you know, ended up working out well for, for everybody involved. But right now, I think it's best that they focus in their own backyard, you know, keep things small, and just like every coach always says, your number one goal should be to win the conference. If you do that, then your season is a success, and everything that happens beyond that is just gravy on top. Just like what Tricia Ford said, you know, obviously – the softball team won the Mountain West Conference this year. It was the first conference championship for the softball team since 2009, you know, and they went to Eugene, Oregon in their regional, and they lost their first two games, and they were done. And while that's disappointing, obviously, the season is still a success because you won a conference championship. You were the best team in your conference. You controlled that, and you built a foundation that you can now build on moving forward into next season. Speaking of foundations building and moving on, I feel like we can get you out of here on a couple last questions, one of which starting with the rumor, the rumor that all Bulldog fans are hearing, the rumor that one of their rivals would love to point out what's going on with Rousey. Is that is that just a rumor or is that a rumor that's building steam? Uh, as of right now, uh, it's just a rumor that I've heard. Um, I, I haven't uh, gotten any confirmation on it, so I'm just – I, I can't really speculate because I don't know anything more than the rumor that people have heard. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, that an assistant coach on Mike Batesville's staff has, you know, left for another job. We've seen it happen a few times. Um, I, I don't know um, if it's official or not because I have not heard any new information. I just know that it is a rumor. Um, he's been really good with the pitching staff while he's been here, and I'm sure that they appreciate his value and input. They would love to be able to keep him. If this turns out to be real, I'm sure they'll wish him nothing but the best, and then it'll be up to Mike Batesel to find a replacement who can do uh, you know, the, the job that he was able to do or better uh, you know, with, with the pitchers. But uh, at this time, I do not have confirmation that it's anything more than the rumor that we've been hearing. Okay. Establishing that it is a rumor and establishing that there very well could be no truth to this and establishing that nobody is trying to walk Rousey out the door or replace him. If any of those things were to come to pass, as you look around the college landscape, is there anybody out there that maybe you'd target to come in and sort of replicate the job that Rousey's done? Is there anybody that you can think of off the top of your head that would not only be a great cultural fit for what Fresno's trying to do, but could also achieve similar results? You know, something we've been talking for uh, almost an hour. This is the one question that you've asked me that I have absolutely no idea. My knowledge on uh, pitching coaches at other schools is next to nothing. <laughs> um, I actually do not know of anybody else short of, you know, 
coach Maine, uh, who could potentially, I guess, come back because he was Fresno State's pitching coach on the team that won the national championship. But I have no idea what he's up to, what he's doing now, or even uh, you know if he would be willing to, because he was an older guy. He might even be retired. So uh, unfortunately, I have to just go with the I really don't know uh, to, to this question. My, my knowledge of, uh, of this particular area, unfortunately, is not sufficient to be able to answer your question. Well, that's just disappointing, and now we have to scrap the entire podcast because you didn't know one thing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Andrew, I feel like th- th- there, there's there's so much talent uh, uh, in the Valley, and if you look at certainly what CSUB, my alma mater, was able to do sort of right out of the gate with their baseball program, I think baseball in the Valley is a fantastic match. When 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 you When you think of – Really, when you think of baseball and you think of stuff like Field of Dreams, places like Fresno and Bakersfield sort of come to mind. I mean, the whole thing was set on a farm and agriculture society, right? Like, I mean, that's that's sort of our thing here in the Valley, right? Um, I, I feel like the pool of Valley candidates is getting stronger and stronger every year. I feel like the people who realize that they can stay home here and play competitive baseball in the Valley – uh, is getting larger and larger every year. Is it only a matter of time, Andrew, before people start? And I'm not saying that they don't already, but it is only a matter of time before the Valley recruiting in baseball begins to receive the attention nationally that it does for, for, for football with guys like Kessler, Temple, Ryan Matthews, Derek Carr, etc. There some high-quality names coming out, out of the Valley for, for football. You think baseball is going to get there? Um, I, I think it's kind of gotten there a little bit already. You know, I just mentioned the fact that, you know, Tyler Ferguson from Clovis West is a pitcher on Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, the Valley's had plenty of guys go to Cal Poly, go to Cal State Fullerton. Um, you know, I mean, there, there have been guys that have usually gone up and down the West Coast, not as far uh, typically to the SEC or the ACC, for example. Um, but there are, there are talent, you know, talented guys out here, and there are guys like Taylor Ward, for example, who's from Florida and came out here to play baseball at Fresno State because he liked the environment. So I definitely think that um, you will always be able to see that. But having said that, college baseball will never be at the level that college football was. And that's why, um, I guess just kind of to wrap everything up here, you know, we're talking about Fresno State baseball and what the Bulldogs were able to do in 2008 was phenomenal, not only for the sports, you know, because everyone likes to see an underdog win, but also for, you know, the landscape here in, in the Valley. But it's still not nearly as big as what Boise State was able to do when the Broncos beat Oklahoma in that 2007 Fiesta Bowl. And that game was not for a national championship. But more people remember that because college football is bigger than college baseball, and that was a true David versus Goliath. You know, you had this little program with the blue field in Boise, Idaho, that was able to beat Adrian Peterson and Oklahoma and Bob Stoops. And so I feel like more people are definitely, um, you know, always going to pay more attention to college football, NFL, you know, NBA than they do college baseball, because not everybody is a college baseball program. But having said that, it's still a big deal here and nobody will ever forget 2008. No, they certainly will not Andrew. And I know that you have things to do and we've had you for a while and I appreciate your knowledge. Um, so with that, I guess what I will ask is what do you have coming up that, that fans need to know about projects that you're working on TV shows, anything of that nature. And for anybody who wants to find you interact with you, maybe follow up with questions about baseball. Where can they find you? 
sure. Uh, well, uh, most people who are listening probably know that I'm the sports director at the uh, CBS 47 and KC24 in Fresno. I host the Bulldog Insider, which uh, airs 6 o'clock uh, every Sunday on KC24. Uh, during football season, it moves to 9 p.m. and expands to an hour after Sunday night football. Uh, right now, we are uh, you know, trying to catch up with as many alums as we can over the summer. As we gear up for football season, we're also putting together like a uh, top five moment countdown of the best sports moments uh, from the previous 2014-2015 athletic seasons, which ended a couple of weeks ago uh, officially after the um, track and field championships, the outdoor ones, took place uh, in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Andrew Martin and uh, my email address if people want to you know, send feedback. We always love to hear from our, uh, from our viewers. It's uh, amartin at cbsfresno.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm around. I'm very easy to get a hold of. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I have a Google Plus and a YouTube account, uh, two email addresses, and I work at two TV stations. So it's not difficult to get a hold of me. <laughs> no, no, it's certainly not. Just if you're trying to do a podcast at 1030. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, did we not make this work? We, hey, we totally made it work, but you put the statement out there, and like any good journalist, I just fact-checked it. Yes. Uh, I, I promised you that I would be ready on Thursday morning, and we did it on Thursday morning. I will leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, there's a very amusing backstory that we shan't get into, but I'm just ribbing Andrew. He in no way, shape, or form... <laughs> bailed on me or did anything whatever i just wanted to give him a little bit of grief uh andrew man i can't thank you enough for your time as always man i could just sit and listen to you talk you're just such a wealth of knowledge uh, I, I we do want to have you back on for a football specific podcast because as you know Fresno State's got had some pretty major announcements recently and we'll have an even bigger one tomorrow so we will definitely need to have you on here in the next week or so to discuss some of those things and we will let you get to your day my friend alright sounds great guys Josh and uh, Lucio thanks very much and uh, yeah have a great day I'm available uh, anytime just let me know alright All right. thanks bud thanks. alright take care guys well, that was uh, that was a great show that Andrew uh, gave us here. Um, I sat back and and just listened. Uh, you know, again, not one of my strongest subjects, but a, it, how could I pass up a front row seat and just listen to you two go at it? Um, he definitely has a lot to say about baseball. He is a wealth of knowledge, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, every time that I have Andrew on and. You know, some fans are probably going to be sitting there saying that I sounded pretty ignorant on the subject. And the truth of the matter is I am. <laughs> I'm not going to try and trick the listeners because I'm not I'm not dumb enough to think you can fool you can fool intelligent listeners. Baseball, particularly college baseball, is not my strong suit. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to learn on it. You guys have have announced that it's important to you on the bark board. And I wanted to prove even at the risk of sounding like a fool. <laughs> that I take those concerns very seriously and wanted to have a guest on that could get you the information you needed, even if I wasn't totally confident in the way that I was asking my questions to him. I think most people could tell baseball is not my strong suit. I tend to I tend to do much better when it's football or soccer uh, or video games or comics. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're doing movies. We're doing what the suits. we're doing what the fans were asking. I mean, they want us to expand into other sports. Uh, yeah, but I also areas. want to get better at it while I do it. And part of the reason that I had people on like Martin is is because if you if you really want 
want to get better and understand what's going on in the sport, then you got to have people on the podcast who can break everything down. And I don't think anybody breaks things down better than Martin. He tells you the information that you need. He hits you with the numbers that are relevant. And he does so, I, I think, in a fun way. So for me, I was really looking forward today and tomorrow's podcast with uh, with Shotgun as well because I'm trying my best to learn about baseball and, and, and particularly Bulldog baseball. Um, I think – all college sports, to, uh, you know, are important, and, and if you're covering team stuff, that type, knowing that type of information is going to be important. But as always, it's going to take me a minute to get fully acclimated with the Bulldog roster, expectations for Bulldog baseball, and and names on the Bulldog baseball roster. Uh, putting names to faces, particularly, there's always a bit of a learning curve when you're when you're learning a new team <laughs> in a new sport. Uh, but uh, I can promise you guys that we're going to try and do better with baseball because Valley fans have told us how important it is, and this was sort of me attempting to do that. So if any of you guys thought that my question sucked, I do apologize. They did. <laughs> they did. So, well, at least you got questions out. I just sat back and listened. <laughs> well, you know, man, I, 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 one of us had to. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I am not well-versed in the – Fresno State baseball. So I'm trying to kind of sit back, take it all in so that, you know, I can myself can get better at it. And I'm going to try to get myself acclimated as well so that we can start bringing more shows like this one uh, covering other sports at Fresno State. So that is our goal. Uh, Josh and I have talked about it. We are going to try to mix it up, try to get some of these other sports covered as well. Maybe throw in some girls stuff. I don't know if we're going that far yet, but we'll 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 definitely think about it. Um, but that being said, Josh, do you want to talk any a little bit about what we saw this weekend with the camps? Or? Uh, no, you know, man, I, I I think in the interest of baseball fans, we're going to keep this one a baseball. Uh, you know, there's plenty of podcasts. I feel like football tends to dominate podcasts every other. Uh, a day of the week and um, yeah uh, yeah man I, I I think Andrew gave enough great information and we're gonna have shotgun on tomorrow to talk more baseball that uh, you know there's this football coming up oh I know and honestly if we wait until after tomorrow we'll have not only the renovations to discuss but the camp and recruiting and I feel like that'd be an amazing podcast anyway so <laughs> Yeah, so why we'll just save it for next week then? We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save. I like saving. I like saving. <laughs> it'll it'll give us another a whole another episode that we can bring to you guys. So that that's definitely the 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 goal is to keep the content rolling. So that being said, Josh, let's go ahead and close her up. And how can people get a hold of you? Follow me on Twitter at Fight on Twist or at Bulldogs Twist. You can email me at twist at uscfootball.com. Um, or you can uh, go head on over to BarkBoard.com and post on the forums, and I will find your questions there. You can also PM me on the forums. Also, Josh and I have been putting out lots of content over on the BarkBoard.com about the camps that we've been attending, so keep checking back at the BarkBoard.com. Things we, we've been trying to keep it going on a daily basis, putting up some new stories and new videos for you to check out. So again, head over to BarkBoard.com and check out what we have there. Now, you can also follow me at Red Wave Report on Twitter. You can also check out the Facebook page. I've been updating that as much as I can. Uh, just look for Red Wave Report. And also email the show at RedWaveReport at gmail.com. 
and tell us your thoughts and opinions on everything, and that way we can get anything addressed that you want answered. That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us again as we record another episode tomorrow with Shotgun. And what what's that we're going to be covering again, Josh? baseball more baseball (laughs) so we're going to continue adding on to the content of baseball so just stay tuned for that one so again until next time thank you for listening